number four, Philippians chapter four. And I do want to preach to you tonight. I mentioned the sermon this morning. Uh, don't fear and don't faint. Amen. Now, we'll talk about a few things in regards to this in a few minutes, but I mentioned it to you this morning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's the beginning of knowledge. It's the beginning of all, of all those things. And a good, healthy fear of the Lord will be fine, but many folks in this day and age fear a lot of things that they ought not fear. Amen. And so I want to talk to you about that a little bit this, this uh, evening. And I told you to turn to Philippians chapter 4, so just, just hold on tight right there. And I'm going to read you another verse of Scripture, and then I'll come over there to Philippians where you are. And the Bible says uh, in verse number, uh, verse number 7 of Galatians chapter 6, Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. How often have you heard verse 7 and 8 preached as a negative thing, and it is a negative thing, not taking anything away from that, not knocking negative preaching whatsoever in any way, shape, or form. And you know I'd be a fool to be the one to do that, amen? Uh, but what he's saying here, he says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, negative, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. That's positive, and you can say amen right there. That's not something just to be glad about. That's something to aim at. Amen? The Air Force say, says aim high. Well, I'd aim a whole lot higher than they ever thought about aiming. Amen? And aim to reap the good things. Amen? And he says, he says the... He that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting, and let us not be weary in well-doing. Uh, th there's uh, a lot to be said about serving the Lord, and it's easy to get up and preach a sermon about how wonderful it is to serve the Lord, because it is wonderful to serve the Lord. But it's also work. He says, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, created unto good Works, And I don't know if you know it or not, but the other word for work is labor. Amen? That's why the Bible says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. You can get down in this flesh, and the Bible says that there's, not, there's no good thing in this flesh. No good thing dwells in this flesh. And you begin to work for the Lord, and it'll be a weariness to the flesh. You can just study the Bible and it'll be a weariness to the flesh. For that matter, you can study mathematics and it'll be weariness <laughs> to the flesh. The flesh wants to have a good time. We talked about that this morning in the morning service. We talked about the lust of the flesh. The course of this world is, is laid out by the lust of the flesh. And you begin to study the Word and you begin to live for the Lord and the flesh would just want to faint on you. Amen? You get out in the hot sun and work two or three hours, you'll be ready to faint. You get out in this world and begin to try to work for the Lord, and your flesh will be ready to faint. But the Bible says, Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap. We shall reap. There is, a, there is not only reason to serve the Lord, but there's hope in serving the Lord. Amen? It's our duty to serve God. 
If there was nothing else to it, we could say that Jesus loved us and gave himself for us. He saved us. He ransomed us. We owe him everything. We ought to be bond servants. And to put it even plainer than that, we ought to be slaves working in the field every day for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But the Bible said he was not ashamed to call us brethren. Amen? But brethren... We may be. It's still a household of labor. Amen. It's still work to be done. And the Bible says, let us not be weary in well-doing. Don't get weary with going to church. Don't be weary with praying. Don't be weary with preaching. Don't be weary with witnessing. Don't be weary with doing the things that God's called you to do. Whatever it is that God's called you to do, lay your hand on the plow and don't look back. Amen. Say, so Brother Mike, I'm mighty tired. Well... Get you a glass of iced tea and keep on traveling on. Amen. Because he said in due season. In due season. Who is the estimator of what due season is? Who gets to decide when it's due time? Who gets to decide when your boss pays you your paycheck? Who gets to decide what pay what payday is? Who gets to decide how much you get paid? Amen. Well, they say, and I've heard it said before, and it might be a trivial little thing, but they say the benefits for working for the Lord is out of this world. Amen. Amen. I tend to agree with that. And due season might come around out of this world. You may work and labor in this life years and years, and maybe you don't see the results that you'd like to see. But that only comes from looking for results that you made up in your own head. Amen. The Lord has the results in his own mind. The Lord has all these things in his own hand. All we've got to do is work. Amen. The Bible says, let us not be weary in well-doing. And you may as you could just take the well-doing out. And I don't, I'm not uh, suggesting you change God's word. I'm just trying to help you understand. You can replace that well-doing with the word work. The key of it being uh, doing. And if you're going to do some doing, do it well. Amen. But the Bible says, be not weary in well-doing. For in due season, right when the Lord says is the right time, we shall reap if we faint not. Amen. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good. As we have opportunity. That's not, uh, that reminds me of the verse that says, which is your reasonable service. It's not unreasonable in my mind. It's not unreasonable in my estimation that as you have opportunity, you'd do good. You say, to who? Everybody. Well, some of these people out here ain't worth shooting. I understand that and mostly agree with you. Amen. Some people out there ain't worth shooting. But the Lord thought they was worth dying for. The Bible said they were some evil men. They're seducers. The Bible says they wax worse and worse. The Bible says they're false teachers. The Bible says they're, they're here to uh, destroy and they're here to distract and they're here to deceive. But the Bible said they're denying the Lord that bought them, destroying for all time and eternity any thoughts and ideas about Calvinism. Amen? They're against God. They're false teachers. And the Bible says the Lord bought them. He looked, hey, didn't we read it this morning? Didn't we talk about it a little while this morning? That while we were his enemies, Christ died for us. So he says here, let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men. But he says this, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. He didn't say for you to argue with one another. 
Amen. He didn't say for you to look down on one another. Well, all your faults and failures. He said, well, I might have to preach to you. Paul said, I made you sorry in a letter. He said, I ain't sorry about that. Amen. But you know what he said when he opened up the chapter, when he opened up the book that he wrote that same saying in? He said, boy, you needed a whooping. And I ain't glad. I, he said, I ain't sorry I gave you the whooping. I'm glad I did it because you turned to God. He said, you repented. But you know how he opened up that book? Grace be to you. And peace. What? Peace to a bunch of carnal, reprobate acting Christians. Yes, sir. You say, why? Because they're on their way to heaven. They're called to a higher calling. They've been placed into a larger family, a bigger family than the one they associate with on a regular basis. You know, there's been men from good families associate with riffraff in this world. You ain't even supposed to call them riffraff. They're the disadvantaged, amen? But there's a way. they uh, Everything has a cause. Everything, every cause has an effect. And they became riffraff because of their actions. And every once in a while, you'll find somebody from a good family with all the advantages down on Skid Row. Sometimes God's people go astray down to Skid Row, amen, and hang out for the, and you say, what about it? Well, they may be in the hog pen, but their daddy's up there someplace in the future waiting to fall on their neck and hug them and say, welcome home, my son. Welcome home, my son. Amen. Kill the fatted calf and make the Pharisees mad. <laughs> Ain't that the way it took place? Amen. So he said, especially they that are the household of God. If you know a backslidden Christian this week, you ought to go home and pray for them. Amen. Call them up and say, hey, we've been missing you. Amen. Been waiting for you to get back in. Remember what it used to be like when you were serving the Lord? And they say, oh, yeah, I remember. Now do something about it. Amen. 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 Get back in church someplace and get back in the Word of God and get back down on your knees. Well, it sure is hard to live for the Lord in this day and age. Yeah, but we'll reap. If we faint not. Now with that in mind, let's turn to Philippians chapter 4. You should be already there. I'm there. Now Philippians chapter 4. And let's read in verse number 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I got something better for you to do than sit around and worry all the time. You say, what is it, Brother Mike? Rejoice. Shout a little bit. I know it's nights like tonight when you need to shout the most. I'm talking about as a congregation. Out there at your house, it, it might be a different story. It might be something different that gets you down. But I know what gets people's Baptist church down as a church. Two or three people lay out of church. And it seems like it just puts a binder around your mouth. It's like taking an old dish rag and stuffing it down in your jaws and just shuts your mouth tight. So-and-so's not here. I've got news for you. God shows up when so-and-so don't come out. Amen. Amen. The Bible says rejoice in the Lord. He says rejoice in the Lord. When? Always. Amen. Amen. That's what it says. Rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice in the Lord when there's only two or three gathered together. That's when the Lord said he'd be in the midst. He didn't say two or three hundred. I'd like to see two or three hundred packed in here, wouldn't you? Amen. I tell you what, I've always prayed the prayer and asked God, boy, I'd like to see a bunch of people in here. It'd be so hot, some of y'all would quit. Y'all would think y'all was in hell. Sure enough, you get a Baptist uncomfortable, boy, and they'll go to repenting their sins. Amen. But I've prayed and said, Lord, I'd like to see folks standing around the building and looking in, and none of that stuff's ever happened yet. It may happen sometime in the future. I don't know. It hadn't happened yet, but God ain't dead. Amen. Doesn't mean that God's not on his throne anymore. So we can rejoice when there's a crowd. We can rejoice when there ain't no crowd. Amen. 
You can rejoice when you get a $5 raise down at the work, and you can rejoice when the, when the boss says, hey, I've got to lay you off. Amen. In some cases, it might be I've got to fire you because you ain't worth nothing. You, there, might, there might be a case in this world where a Christian ain't worth nothing to a boss man. The fact that you're saved, born again, on your way to heaven don't make you a good worker. And I don't know what you're going to do about that. I mean, I ain't your daddy. I can't retrain you to work, but I know this. When you die, you'll be a lazy bum on your way to heaven. You say, well, I believe, Brother Mike, if a man's saved, he's got all that stuff worked out. Then why does he say that let the thief steal no more? He's talking to Christians when he says that. Did you know that? Why would he say stuff like that if it wasn't possible for a Christian to be an old bum? There's probably seven or eight old bums sitting in here right now. You say, well, what do I got to rejoice about? Well, not the outcome of that being a bum. That ain't going to work out for you. <laughs> I'm just telling you, it ain't gonna, whatever problems you've got, that ain't going to work out good for you. How's that for straight preaching? When it comes to the, the frailties and the faults of man, that ain't going to work out for you. That's going to come out bad, just like the Bible said it was. If you're a bum, that's going to come out bad. Amen? If you're slothful in business, your business life is ruined, buddy. It ain't going to work out for you. I, I hate to say that. Amen. This body you're walking around in, it's going to fail. That ain't going to turn out good. I'm just telling you that's the cold hard fact. These bodies of ours, they're going to fall apart and give us problems from here on out. I've been fooling myself all these years. I'm still fooling myself right now. When I get up tomorrow, I'm still going to try to con myself in about it. But I, 48, I'm not 38 anymore. There is a difference. I'm not 28. There's a gigantic difference. I'm not 18. There's a big difference right there, boy, I tell you what. But I said, well, I'll go out and do some push-ups and sit-ups, and I'll get back in shape. You ain't never getting back in 38 shape. It just ain't happening. You might be a good shape for 48 or a good shape for 50, but it ain't going back to 18-year-old, boy. You, it ain't going to work out. It ain't going to work out. Amen? A lot of people a little bit overweight, they think, if I lose 40 pounds, well, you'll be, you'll be a, a sad sack. 40 pounds lighter, amen? It's just the body's going to fall apart. That's what it's all about, amen? But I got news for you. You can rejoice. You say, why? Because when this body kicks the bucket, there's something better out there beyond it. Amen. And it's real. Yep. It's real, amen? You say, so you can, you can rejoice in that too? You can rejoice in that too, amen? Amen. The best, the, if you want an exercise program, the best, the best course of exercise is not to slow down to begin with. We get about... 30, 31, 32, we begin to sit around like we're old men. You ain't old at 31. I don't necessarily you believe it. I don't believe you're old at 48. I'm 48, and I'm not old. One of my problems is I sat around too much when I was 35. You know, backyard football was for 12 years old. I wish I'd have been out there playing backyard football when I was 38. Amen. Because you, you, uh, me and Brother Pedro were talking this morning before, the, before Sunday school, uh, use it or lose it. <laughs> Amen? You sit around, them muscles begin to get used to doing nothing. They kind of disappear on you. I think they call it atrophy or something. I don't know what the real word for that is. But it's, it's, it's the, I don't know the definition of it or the real term for it. Is that the real term for it? I can't explain it to you, but I know it works. <laughs> Amen? Well, I'll gain it right back real quick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Let me know how that works out for you. It didn't work out too good for me. But I know this, I still got reason to rejoice in the Lord. Amen. Amen. I began to see more and more what the Lord meant when he said, Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. Amen. Them evil days come. Not talking about wicked days. Wicked and evil, not exactly the same thing. Amen. You say, what's the difference between wicked and evil? A headache that comes out of nowhere. Amen. Amen. That's what the evil days is. You got pains in your side and pains in your head, and you go talk to your doctor about it, and he says, you're getting old. I'll whoop a daylights out of you. Well, all that means I just got whooped by an old man. <laughs> That's all that does mean. Amen. Amen. But I can rejoice in one thing. My name's written in the book of life. Amen. 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 Some of you still thinking about why would you encourage somebody that's not right with God? Hey, listen, the Lord didn't say you went to heaven by being right with God. He said you, he said you, got, you go to heaven by trusting his son that paid for your sins. What part of that paid for your sins don't we understand? I, you know me, I'm, I'm, I'm the one for emphasizing that you ought to do right after you get saved. But you don't go to heaven by doing right. You're not saved by doing right. You do right because you get saved. Now listen, if I doubt the fact that you're saved because you're not doing right, let me go to the grave with that. If you've trusted the Lord, trust in Him, amen? Amen. Prove me wrong. Amen. I don't mind it. Don't mind it whatsoever. All I want to know is, are you right with the Lord? And listen, are you going to be right with the Lord? I'm, I'm interested in those things. But at the end of the day, can't you rejoice because you're saved? Amen. Brother Mike, I don't agree with all your convictions. Well, how come you ain't happy with the Lord? Let's talk about that. Yeah, that's right. Amen. How come you ain't shouting her out? What is it in your life, if it's not all the things that I'm talking about, all these sins I've been preaching against, if it's not that that's destroying your relationship with the Lord, what is it that's keeping you from standing up and shouting? I'm a little bit nervous or I'm a little bit shy. Don't keep you from shouting when the Baltimore Ravens score a touchdown. What's the deal? Michael Jordan done more for you than Jesus Christ has? Pretty good ball player. Probably the best ball, ball player there's ever been. People like to shout about him. Boy, looks like he's flying through there when he's dunking those basketballs. I quit watching when he retired because I ain't no use in watching nothing else. The world estimates these guys real big. Amen. And they'll be watching basketball 20 years from now saying, is he better than Michael Jordan? Is he better than Michael Jordan? And they'll say, yeah, he's the greatest. And then the next guy that comes along, is he better than Michael Jordan? Well, they know who the standards are. But let me ask you this. Why aren't you shouting about the Lord? Because he's at least 50 billion times better than Michael Jordan. Amen. Amen. I stopped looking for religion when the Lord came on the scene because there ain't no other. Amen. There ain't no other. Amen. He's the way, the truth, and the life, ain't he? But people can shout about a ball player, but they just ain't interested in the Lord. Well, you know, there's all kinds of things that goes into it, and the presentation, and there's all this stuff. The fact of the matter is, you just can't rejoice in the Lord. There's something wrong there. Something wrong there, amen? Amen. You say, what you talking about, Brother Mike? I'm talking about not being afraid, not fearing, not fainting in the face of this world, because you got something better, Amen. 
Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. He said it to you twice. Must be important. Then he says this, let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Be careful for nothing. You know what that word careful means? It means full of care. It don't mean you're walking a tightrope and you're trying to be careful that you don't fall. Careful means uh, in the modern day speech, the word careful means uh, being easy and taking it easy. But that's not what the word means. The word means full of care. The word is very close to the words we use like anxiety. Amen. The, word, the words we use are words like depression and anxiety and grief. Well, the Bible says the Lord bore our griefs. What are you doing with all that grief? Amen. The Bible says, let not your heart be troubled. What are you doing with all that anxiety? Amen. You say, Brother Mike, what about you? Where do you think this message come from? Amen. The Lord deals with my heart about these things too because I'm a man just like you. And there's no biblical basis for living a life in grief. No biblical basis in it whatsoever. And there's not an excuse on this world. And I speak as a fool knowing that I'm a man and I experience all these things. I speak as a fool and I fully understand that. I fully understand what you're going through. I sympathize with you on the things that you're going through because I'm a man and I'm going through them with you and I have to deal with them just like you do. But there's not one biblical basis for the man of God or the woman of God, the child of God, I should say, spending his time in grief. They do. Yep. You can find the greatest men in the Bible you can find hiding out in a cave. Lord, just take my life. Yep. I'm talking about the greatest of them. Right. I'm talking about men like Elijah. I'm talking about men who was dedicated to the people that God gave him to, to, to minister to. Moses said, Lord, uh, forgive these people. And if not, blot me out of your book. That's dedication right there. God, if you ain't going to do nothing with these people, if you ain't going to help them, if you're not going to forgive them, if you're not going to revive them, if you're not going to draw them back close to you, if you're not going to forgive them, just butt me out of your book. If you're going to get rid of them, get rid of me with them. That's dedication right there. Hey, that's somebody grieving over something, amen. Amen. You think Moses was teaching God lessons or do you think God was teaching Moses lessons? Which way do you think that's working right there? God put Abraham in some interesting situations. Did you know that? One day he just happened coincidentally to stop by Abraham's house on the way to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And he looks around there at those other two mysterious fellows that was with him and he said, I think we should tell Abraham what we're going to do. All prearranged, all scripted. Abraham's over there going, what? Tell me what? What? Tell, tell me what? what? What are you going to tell me? Man said, we're going to go down there. We're going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. I bet the first thing that ran through his mind was Lot. I've invested in that boy. That's right. I've had to go. I've had to go get him out of trouble several times since he parted company with me. And he said, Lord, would you? Spared if they was 50 righteous over there. And he said, for 50 righteous, I'll save it. Reminds me of the time when the Lord said, I'm going to wipe out everybody. And said, hey, y'all, will not the Lord of all the earth do right? That's Moses talking. 
You think Moses and Abraham have to teach God anything? No, it was God teaching those men some things. He said, Lord, would you spare it for 40? I'll spare it for 40. And Lord, would you spare it for 30? Yes, I'll spare it for 30. And Lord, forgive me, boy, I'm a bad fellow, but I'll speak one more time. Would you spare it for 20? I'll spare it for 20. Now, Lord, I'm going to speak one more time. You know what Christians do? They quit praying. Amen. <laughs> hey, go ahead. You say, well, you know, I'm, I'm nothing and God's everything, which is true. And I don't want to bother the Lord. What do you think he's got to do? That you're going to bother him. Amen. You think you're going to distract him? He could deal with 12 billion other people at the same time, still take care of you. Amen. Amen. He's got, I mean, I don't know about this modern technology, but I, I think that they can take a chip and put it in all the different cars. If you own 12 million cars, you could put a chip in every one of those 12 million cars and pull them. In. If you wanted number 10 or if you wanted 6 billion or if you wanted number 12, wouldn't make no difference. You just punch it up and there it would be. You'd see where it's at, what its condition is. How hot the motor's running, if it's moving, if it's not moving, if it's in, if it's uh, uh, underground in a parking shelter, if it's parked in somebody's driveway, you know all about it. And the Lord got you chipped, amen? I'm not talking about the devil's mark of the beast chip. I'm talking about he knows right where you're at. He knows how many hairs you got on your head. He knows the print, the, em- the emblem, the seal that's on your little fingers. He's got your fingerprints, amen? And if the Lord walked through the sands of time and happened to notice a little hair on the ground, he could pick it up and say, that belongs to John Turner over there in uh, Biloxi, Mississippi. And it fell out three years ago. And the Lord knows who it is and the Lord knows what it's all about. Amen. You're not going to bother him. He said, boy, let me, let me just talk to you one more time, Lord. He said, suppose there's just ten there. Would you? Would you hold off judgment for 10? The Lord said, I won't destroy it for 10. Walked off down there, sent his two fellows on down the road, and he stood there talking with Abraham. I don't know what he would have said. I don't know what he said. The Bible don't record what he said after those two men walked off. Those two men didn't get a good reception down there. They didn't find 10 righteous people down there. The Lord destroyed it. But those that he did find it, you know what? Abraham could have whittled him on down to three. Amen. Amen. Some of you don't know what you could have whittled out of the Lord if you'd have kept asking. But you know what most people do? They faint. They quit. They get tired. They lay down. Don't quit. Don't get tired. Don't lay down. Amen. Amen. Rejoice in the Lord always. Be careful for nothing, the Bible says. We get to the place where our griefs, our cares, our concerns outweigh everything else in our life. It shouldn't outweigh your salvation. It shouldn't outweigh the cares and concerns of this world. They're real. I understand them. I understand them, amen. But they don't outweigh the blessing that God's appointed for us hereafter. We've been talking about over in the book of Ephesians. The Bible said God predestinated us unto the adoption of children. One of these days God's going to change this vile body. And he's going to do it whether you fail or pass or succeed or whatever whatever terminology you want, whatever, whatever what you make out of this life, you're predestinated to that adoption. The Lord's going to work it out. You give up, He's going he's to succeed. You keep a marching, He's going to succeed. Your outcome don't depend on you. depends on the Lord. You may as well stay faithful. Amen? Amen. 
In due season we'll reap if we faint not. You say, be careful for nothing. How can I put my heart into that? Because of verse 5, he said, the Lord is at hand. You know, when the Lord described himself to man, you know what he said? He said, am I a God that's afar off or am I a God at hand? Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Most people take that and it can be taken as a reference to the second coming of the Lord. But listen, the Lord is just as near me right now as he will be when he comes back bodily. Amen. The Lord is just as near to me right now as the day when he steps down on, on the Mount of Olives and begins to talk with his people and begins to walk among the people again. He's just that close to me right now. You say, why? He dwells within. Not only does he dwell within, I dwell within him. The Bible says I'm in Christ. You can't get closer than that. That's why the Bible says with no hesitation, and with no allegory whatsoever, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, we're seated together in heavenly places in Christ. Right now, right now, you're sitting in glory. Right now, Brother Eddie, sitting in heaven right now. Brother Pedro, sitting in heaven right now. You know, when the Bible says, the Bible says that you ought not to offend these little children. Did you know that? Man, little children are something to be taken care of. There's something to be cherished. But you know what the Bible says about these little babies, these little boys and these little girls? The Bible says they're angels. Do always behold the face of the Lord. You know what he's talking about? He's not talking about their little guardian angel like you got pictured on your wall. The Bible says we're seated together in heavenly places right now. Right now there's a representation of this little boy. They're, the angel means appearance. The appearance of these little children sitting right there looking at the face of the Lord right now. You better not mess with them. Amen. Amen. You better not touch them. You better not offend them. And to God, we're all his little children. Amen. Did you know you're God's little child? I'm a grown, mature man. You're a little bottle baby sitting at the feet of Jesus, being bounced on the knee of the only one got any sense to take care of you. Amen. What have you to fear? Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. If you fear God, that's enough. Amen? Let me turn in Proverbs. Let's look in Proverbs real fast. If you fear God, that's enough. Let me show you what's involved in the fear of the Lord. A lot of people don't like the fear of the Lord. But look what it says in Proverbs chapter 14. They try to get rid of the fear of the Lord and they call it reverence of the Lord. But let me show you what's involved in the fear of the Lord. Proverbs chapter 14 and verse number 26. We covered this several weeks ago in the book of Proverbs in Sunday school. But I want you to notice what it says in verse 26. This is what you're lacking. I don't know what all you're going through and what all situations you're going through, but I can tell you what you're lacking. In the fear of the Lord, the Bible says in verse 27... The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to depart from the snares of death. I've read verse 27. We're supposed to be reading 26. Look what it says in verse 26. In the fear of the Lord is strong confidence. That's what you're missing right there in your life. Amen. All this grief we're talking about, you know what you're missing? Strong confidence. If you was absolutely certain that the Lord was going to come through for you, what would you have to grieve over? 
You said, it's my situation. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about your situation. I'm talking about what you're going through. I'm talking about if you feared the Lord, there'd be strong confidence. Amen. Amen. He said, his children shall have a place of refuge. Ain't that what the, the depressed need? Don't they need refuge? Don't they need a silent place of solace and confidence? And don't they need a place to hide? Don't they need a place to uh, go into where uh, they can be safe until all the calamities are overpassed? The Bible said, underneath the shadow of thy wings will I make re- my refuge until these calamities be overpassed. That's what the Bible says. Amen. The Bible says the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are safe. Amen. Amen. You fear the Lord. The Bible says in verse 27, it's a fountain of life. It's not a fountain of Dr. Pepper. It's not a, uh, it's not a water fountain like you get in a high school setting or in the library. It's a fountain of life. It's not a fountain where you can satisfy this old weary flesh or this old sinful flesh. It's a fountain that satisfies the very life itself. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. You go to a water fountain, you get a drink, you're refreshed momentarily. You go to the fountain in life and get a drink, the Bible says it'll be flowing up in you. And he said there won't be no end to that fountain. Amen. Life everlasting. The word everlasting has a specific meaning to it. Last time I checked, you go home and look it up in the dictionary, you might actually shout. There'd be a bunch of shouting Baptists. Not everlasting, that means it ain't never going to stop. Hallelujah. Amen. Bunch of Baptists, you know, they'll think you've turned charismatic. Amen. Some of you need to shout, but you don't need to be charismatic. Amen. Amen. So you can fear the Lord. The Bible says there's confidence in it. There's life in it. Amen. All the Christians that, if they just knew, if they just knew, the problems that would be solved if they just knew that in the fear of the Lord there's life and there's confidence. The Bible said he came to give you life and give it to you more abundantly. Do you call the life you're living now abundant life or is it abundant grief or abundant worry? Say, Brother Mike, you're being hard on me. No, I'm trying to get you loose from that. Amen? You say, Brother Mike, you're being hard, you're being stern. Not being hard or stern at all. Trying to be straight with you so that you understand there's something better. There's something better than that. I know the things are difficult. I know that aches and pains are hard to deal with. I know that the hardships of this world. But listen, don't let the hardships of this world and this life and this flesh keep you from enjoying the thing that God has given you. The things that God gives you is eternal. Amen. Amen. You've got more to be glad over than you do to be sad over. You've got more to be glad over. Amen. And the, the thing is, is that the devil will use the lust of this flesh and what lust of the flesh is there that's greater than the lust to be at ease? The lust to be pain free. The lust to be problem free. That, listen, all the lust of the flesh, don't, the lust of the flesh is not limited to just beer bottles and marijuana joints and rock and roll music. The greatest lust of the flesh is to be comfortable all the time. 
And men pursue it. Men pursue it. And listen, I can't knock you because my flesh is just like yours. I'm saying that the lust of the flesh distracts us from doing the thing that God left us here to do. The apostle Paul felt the effects of those same lusts and he said, God, deliver me from this thorn. God, deliver me from this thorn. God, deliver me from this thorn. And God said, I ain't going to do it. But he said, my grace is sufficient for thee. The wondrous joy of the fact that God would deal with men whose flesh is full of thorns. Amen. God will deal with us. We're men of imperfect flesh. We've got imperfect minds. So what's the remedy for them imperfect minds? He said, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Amen. Get to work, amen. amen. But the lust of the flesh distracts us from that. And what I should say and what I can say is it distracts us from victory, Brother Clint. All the distractions of this world. Brother Mike, you're taking away our joy by preaching hard to us. Listen, I'm not trying to take away your joy. trying to let you know that it's all these worldly things and all these worldly uh, fleshly desires. And I'm not talking about, again, not just liquor and alcohol. I'm talking about these worldly fleshly lusts are distracting you from the victory that God's already given you. It's yours already. It's yours already. So, well, they'll come make me a martyr tomorrow. You'll be the biggest winner. Amen? Amen. Not interested in who the biggest loser is. I'm interested in who's the biggest winner. Amen? So, Brother Mike, my situation's going to call me out of this world tomorrow. You'll be the happiest among us. Amen. 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 That's right and true. That's right and true. You know uh, me. I've said this a million times. I want to live. I want to live. I love this life. If anybody ever comes and tells you Brother Mike committed suicide, you call him a liar and hire a lawyer because I don't want to commit suicide. I speak as a fool. God help me and God protect me. But I want to live. Amen. I want to live. I got a lot to live for. Amen. Amen. But if I died tomorrow, I'd be the happiest among us. Amen. You say why? Because that's victory. That's you know, Christians don't lose. I heard Brother Curtis say one time, uh, they were talking about a couple of people was in the back saying, well, we lost. We was out on the porch and somebody was talking about somebody dying. Said, well, we lost old so-and-so the other day. And Brother Curtis said, no, we didn't. And you know, Baptists, they fish for that kind of conversation. Well, we lost. Oh, yeah, and everybody wants to get down. And, you know, people like to wallow in defeat. That's why country music's so popular. Amen. Lost my dog. Lost my wife. Amen. They're probably better off without you. Your dog and your wife. Amen. And so somebody got into one of those, you know, well, we lost old so-and-so. Brother Curtis said, they ain't lost. I know where they at. Amen. He said, well, that's kind of an insensitive way to live. Yeah, but it beats... Living in the gutter. It beats cutting your wrist because you can't deal with the loss. Amen. Amen. What, are you mad at us because we got the solution? Yeah, I know they are. Hey, if you take some of these topics away, some preachers won't have nothing to preach on. Amen. 
I preached a sermon one time on depression and got to talking about it after church with another preacher, a couple of preachers sitting around there. I said, Brother Mike, you shouldn't preach like that because it'll jump all over you. Hey, I've been living with it since the 1970s. Amen? You shouldn't talk about some of these things. It'll jump on you. Who hadn't it jumped on? Some of my first memories in life was about family members that was dead due to violence. Some of my first memories in life was going to funerals where grandmothers and and aunts and uncles had cancer. You you think the fact that I stand up in the pulpit and say God can help you with death and God can help you with sickness and God can help you with depression and God can help you with grief. And listen, there's solutions, amen. And you think because the fact that I stand up and say uh, that that God can give you the victory in something, that that's going to be the cause of these things. These things have been around since Adam ate of the fruit of the tree when he ought not to have. And it's going to keep choking people out until the day the Lord comes back and me preaching on it ain't going to cause it. It's the sinfulness of the flesh that causes it. Amen. If, and listen, I'll tell you what, if I was to get deep into depression, cut my own wrist and die and go on out into eternity in a sad state, in a defeated state, what I'm telling you here tonight will still be true. You can go on and trust the Lord in these things because our God and his truth is mightier than any weakness in my flesh or yours. Amen. If you don't like that kind of preaching because you're a preacher, it's because you ain't got nothing else to preach about. And if you're the kind of preacher that ain't got no victory, you ain't got no business standing in the pulpit preaching about these things. Get out and let somebody preach to you, amen. The time when you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, amen. What is the first fruits of Christianity if it ain't victory? Amen. Amen. What is there to Christianity if it ain't about being rescued? Hey, I'm not in trouble. I got rescued. Amen. I'm not, listen, you can put this flesh in peril, but you can't put my soul in peril. Jesus Christ bought the ease of my soul hanging on the cross where he did not belong. Amen. The peril belonged to me and he took it away. Amen. You can stone this body. Or I could destroy this body with some vile affection. God got my soul. Amen. Amen. Don't threaten me with heaven, the old preacher said. Amen. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord's at hand. He's right here right now. Amen. Let me say a couple of quick things. Don't fear. Amen. Don't faint. Let me give you some points. Don't fear not having enough. Amen? A lot of us fall prey and a victim just don't have enough. You know what? The Bible says you got food and raiment. Be, be content. Be content. Brother Mike, there's a few other things that I can get along the way. There are some things. There are some things that makes life easier, makes work uh, work easier. I'd much rather uh, ride in a vehicle than ride on a horse 50 miles. Amen. A 50-mile trip, that might take a couple days on a horse. Amen. Matter of fact, I've spent whole days on the horse and didn't get get five miles. Amen. But I tell you what, you go up and down, you travel 
10 miles, but actually you only went one mile in linear direction. Amen. Uh, horse riding's for the birds. Amen. Uh, used to, we had horses as a boy. We used to beg our daddies to get a horse, and he got a horse and got to ride them things, you know, several times, and uh, more than se- several, but many times. Get up to be a little older, and your kids say, let's get a horse. No. Amen. No, no, thank you. <laughs> Amen. A Ford Motor Company is a blessing sent from God. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Especially when you get a little older. Amen. But I'm telling you what, we fear not having enough, and you ought not to fear that. If you're eating every day, got some clothes to put on your back, a little place to lay your head. I said that this morning. If you got a place to lay your head, you got more than the Lord had. Look at all the victories he wrought. Amen. Amen. Don't fear not having enough. Look in Matthew chapter 6 with me right fast. Matthew chapter 6, a great chapter in the Bible, part of the Sermon on the Mount. A lot of great truth in the Sermon on the Mount. You ought to read it, incorporate some of them things in your life. But the Bible says in Matthew chapter 6, verse number 31, he says, Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. The Lord knows what you need. He knows what you need. You say, Brother Mike, well, we've got a lot more than we need. The Bible says every good gift and every perfect gift cometh down from the Father of lights, in whom there's no variableness, neither shadow of turning. I believe you ought to thank God for everything that you got. But when you get to get, get to the place where you don't think you have enough, just draw in a breath. Reach down and grab a hold of that gut and say, is it rumbling or is it about three times too big? <laughs> oh, you younger folks, wait until that metabolism stops burning like a candle and begins to flicker like a distant star. <laughs> oh, and the belly's going to grow, amen? You say, what makes it grow? You've got plenty to eat. Amen. you got plenty to eat. Amen. That's what he says here. Therefore, take no thought, saying, what shall we eat? Say, Brother Mike, I ain't got enough to eat. Well, why ain't you told me yet? Yeah. Amen. Amen. you got Christian brothers and sisters right here in the church that will help you on that kind of stuff. Amen. But I just don't believe there's anybody in this room that ain't got enough to eat. And if you do, God forbid, if you've been praying about it, God will use one of us to answer that prayer for you. Amen. But we're not omniscient like the Lord is. We'll have to know. Amen. Amen. But I've never, the Bible said, the Bible said, David said, he said he'd never seen the Lord's seed begging for bread. Well, I've seen this one fellow, he's begging. Well, you know his name written in the book of life. I don't, the Lord, I mean, I believe the word of God for what it says. I believe the Lord provides for his own. The Bible says the man that won't provide for his own is worse than an infidel. You think the Lord our Father is worse than an infidel? You make that charge in my presence, I'll chew you out. Because I know the most undeserving man in the universe, and the Lord been providing for him right on. Amen. Mm-hmm. Amen, that's right. Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? The Bible says, For your heavenly Father knoweth ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. 
Brother Mike, I got some needs. Well, I got news for you. If you're seeking the kingdom of God, they're on their way. He said, Brother Mike, this is a dispensational. No, I ain't no hyper-dispensationalist. I'm not a hyper-dispensationalist. I believe that verse right there is meaningful for the Christian just like it is for the Jew. You do notice in there he made a separation between the Jew and the Gentile. For all these things that the Gentiles seek. There's a dispensational value to it. But all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it's profitable for doctrine. But what else? For reproof. So what's that? Some of you think God ain't taking care of you, but He is. Some of you thinking God won't take care of you, but He will. You need to be reproved in that. For correction, He said. For instruction in righteousness. Well, how do I... I mean, if I don't have what I think I need, what do I need to do? Number one, you need to start seeking the kingdom of God instead of those things. You worry about seeking the kingdom of God and let God worry about putting the raviolis and the meatballs on the table. Amen? So well, I ain't willing to try that. Do it your own way. But that's the way the book says. That's the way the book says. I found it to be true. Amen? So don't fear not having enough. Amen? You say this is dispensation. No, this is one of the principles of all the ages. Amen? It's, it, matter of fact, the study we've been doing in Proverbs, that, that passage of Scripture right there, Matthew chapter 6, verse 31, 32, and 33, and you can add 34 in there too. That's the whole principle of the book of Proverbs. Cause and effect. Reap what you sow. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Only thing you've got to worry about today. You know what he's saying right there? He's saying the same thing that mother passages. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't give no thought for that. Don't spend your lifetime grieving over some things that are coming up down the road. You don't know what's coming up down the road. Matter of fact, you don't even know tomorrow's coming up. <laughs> Amen? The Bible says you don't say we're going to go into this city and, sp- and spend a year over there. He said you don't do that. You say, if the Lord wills. You say, well, I'm going to starve tomorrow. The Lord might come before tomorrow. Amen? The Lord will let you die before you starve to death. People go home <laughs> scratching their head about that one. The Lord will take care of you. Amen. Don't fear not having enough. And let me say a few things about this. Don't fear being alone. You say, why? I read you the verse over there. I read you the verse back there in Philippians. The Lord's at hand. The Lord's at hand. Amen. Some people are terrified about being alone. And, I, and I'll give you justification for that. The Bible said it's not good for man to be alone. It's not good for man to be alone. But in those times that you are alone, the Lord's with you. The Bible says, I'll never leave you. God said, I'll never leave you and never forsake you. Uh, David said, I looked on my right hand and on my left. And he said, no man cared for my soul. But the Bible says, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. You don't have to worry about being alone. The Bible says, my father and my mother forsake me. The Lord will take me up. Amen. You don't have to worry about being alone in life. You don't have to worry about being alone in sentiment or your doctrine. Well, nobody else believes like we Bible believers believe. The Lord believes like you believe. Amen. And you, all you're doing is going by perception. Again, one of the greatest of the Old Testament prophets had the same problem. He looking around and only going by what he sees. But the Bible said we walk by faith, not by sight. And the old prophet said, Lord, he said, I, even I only. He's alone, ain't he? He said, I, even I only am left. And the Lord said, no, son. 
He said, I got a lot of fellows that hadn't bowed the knee to Baal. Your perception is not always reality. And your, your perception is not authoritative, amen? You're just going by fears. You ought to quit doing that and put your trust in God, amen? If it's true, more people than you believe it. You don't think you're that wise, do you? Amen? I know you all think you're right. I understand that part. I understand the psychology of it. You want to do the test one more time? <laughs> I don't think there's no necessary. I don't think that'll be necessary. But I'll tell you this. You're not the only one. That, matter of fact, you've probably got some things you could straighten out. Amen? Don't worry about being alone in life or alone in sentiment or doctrine. Amen? There's still some people that believe John 3.16, Romans 10. Amen? And don't fear being alone in your standards. Amen? You ladies keep looking modest even though everybody else down at work going to looking like hoes. Amen? I hate hoes, don't you? Uh, uh, I got to thinking about that the other day. Uh, we were talking about work one day. <laughs> and talking about hoeing the garden. And I said, I hate hoes. And that come out wrong. And everybody started laughing. Become a little joke. Amen. But they are some hoes in this world. I'm talking about female ones. Amen. And some male ones too. I said there's some male ones too. Amen. I'm not a feminist or anything like that. But women do get blamed a lot more for stuff than men do. Amen. You let a girl kiss two boys and she's a whore and a man run off with every floozy in town. Nobody says nothing to him about it. You whoremongers need to watch yourself. Amen. If there be one among us, you watch yourself. Amen. You better get right before God gives you a dose of something that you won't get away from. Amen. Amen. Just thought I'd throw that in that come down from the heavens. Amen. But what I'm trying to tell you is all these women starting to look like prostitutes, you stay away from that. Amen. You say, well, everybody else is doing it. Well, you don't got to do it. Amen. You don't need to go to Harvey's in your yogurt pants. Amen. And hey, that goes for four years, four year olds, just like it does 40 year olds. Amen. I'm starting to see little kids running around in them things. I'm talking about little kids running around town in them tight looking pants. You better stop that. You know there's some perverts out there in this world. Amen. Amen. Got to tie my shoe. I'm trip and fall and I can't make my point. I'll be upset. Amen. You ain't, Brother Mike, nobody else thinks like that. And everybody else thinks it's normal. Well, everybody else thinks sin is normal too, but it killed Jesus, hung him on the cross. Amen. You don't, you don't fear being alone in your standards, amen, where it regards your dress, where it regards your music. It don't make no difference how loud they holler legalists. You just stick with the right stuff and stick with the old stuff. Amen. Amen. You stick right with it. Nothing in the Bible that relieves man of his obligation for holiness. Nothing in the Bible that excuses man for sinful behavior. Not, not one, you say the grace of God. There's not one ounce of the grace of God that excuses man for any wicked behavior whatsoever. The law is still the measure of sin. Paul said, do we, do we abolish the law? Do we make void the law because of grace and because of forgiveness? He says, God forbid it's still the list that shows us what sin is and 
who God is and what he's all about, his holiness. Amen? Don't fear that. Then last of all, let me say this. Don't fear the hardships. I, I won't labor the point because it's been most, mostly about what the sermon's been about. And I sympathize with you. I've already made that point clear. I've dreaded some things in life myself, in my health, in my profession. Amen? But don't fear. God's going to help you. God's going to help you. Hardships of what kind, Brother Mike? Don't need to be specific, I don't think, in that case. We all go through hardships, don't we? Amen. Amen. There's hardships on your job and hardships in life. And, and I want to emphasize most of all hardships regarding the flesh as far as serving the Lord. Well, listen, you again, I have to point out the verse. We read it in Matthew chapter 6. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. I promise you... Uh, on everything that's sacred and holy, I promise you that once you start seeking the Lord and seeking His kingdom, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. When you start searching that out for yourself, the devil's going to try to waylay you. He's going to put the evil henchmen and highwaymen of hell in your way and try to distract you from doing it. You're going to get hardship after hardship trying to serve the Lord. I promise you that. John Adams, our second president, he said, hardship upon hardship, grief upon grief. He said, yet this is a merry world notwithstanding. He said in the end of his life, he said, I wish I would have taken it as my life verse. Rejoice always. We just read that verse. He said, from this time forward, he said, my life's philosophy is going to be rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. You say, what did he learn in his old age? He learned that the Lord had brought him through many trials and through many temptations. He wasn't the best Christian. He wasn't a deacon or a choir boy. You say, you believe he was saved? I believe his own testimony. I, ble I believe that he, when he said he trusted the Lord, I believe that he did. I believe when he said, I believe he talked like no other politician of his day when he said, one of our biggest needs is to repent our sins. That's not the speech of a lost man. Amen. Amen. So, well, you never heard him call on the name of the Lord. I, I'm not his Lord and Savior. I don't have to hear that. When you start talking about repentance of sins, that rings a bell in my ear. Right. Amen. Amen. Well, you say, what are you talking about? There's going to be hardships in this life. There's going to be griefs in this life. But it's still a pretty good situation the Lord's put us in. Amen. Saved us. Met, us. met all of our needs. Matter of fact, the Bible says all things are yours. Everything around, everything laying around out there is yours. It all belongs to you. Amen. You say what? This life. It's a good life. Amen. Saved. Have the opportunity to work for a king. Amen. 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 The Bible says life and death is in the power of the tongue. Nobody knows that better than a Christian. Sir, have you met the Lord? Amen. Sir, can I tell you about the Lord? But there again, people are afraid. Go back to the second point. They're afraid to be alone in their, in their sentiments. They're afraid to be alone in their doctrines. They're afraid to be alone in their standards. And they, if I say something to him, I might offend him or he might get mad at me. But he might be introduced to the king of life. He might be introduced to forgiveness of his sins. You take up that cause and the things of this world will grow strangely damn. How about fear of the consequences? Amen. We talk about hardships. A lot of people get into trouble sinfully and they're afraid of the consequences that's going to take place. And I don't blame you. The wages of sin is death, the Bible says. 
But did you know Habakkuk chapter 3 and verse number 2 is a great verse. He says, in wrath, remember mercy. Amen. Now listen, if you're a Christian, you've been getting into sin. You better get out of it because the wages of sin is death. The way of the transgressor is hard. It's going to be difficult for you. The further you go, the harder it's going to get. But my friend, I'm telling you, you get down on an altar someplace and say, God, forgive me. And in his wrath, he'll remember mercy. Amen. Amen. It was the Lord himself that thought to destroy all Israel. But there was one intercessor down there saying, Lord, would you please forgive them? If you're not going to forgive them, just take me too. Just block me out, he said. The Lord said, all that idea of an intercessor makes me happy. Amen. And oh, I, I don't like the fact that somebody had to die for my sins, but it was the only way. And I find myself from time to time walking these dark valleys of temptation. Going places I ought not go. And my mind creeps off into the dark recesses of this wicked world. Right. Fall into temptation. But the Holy Spirit calls me home. Hey! I don't know. If I, some of you, I don't know. Probably got these kind of memories yourself. But there's something about being a boy. Long about the time the sun goes down and you're two hollers away. And you hear that voice coming through the trees. Hey! That's mama. Calling me home. I don't know. It don't mean much to a boy, but when you get when you get up in age and begin to think about that mama standing out on the porch looking for a boy, I can't help but think about some old fella, some old gal in this world thinking she's all alone, thinking he's all alone. Not a not a person in the world cares about him. It'd be a good place if you're two hollers over, lost in the woods, and have some mama standing on the porch looking for you, and hear that. Guiding voice, calling you back to the house. Hey! That's the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Amen? Hold oh, that. I'll follow that voice. You get up under them dark recesses of the world, and the Holy Spirit steps out on the front porch and says, Come on home! Shake the cobwebs out of your head as the Bible said about the prodigal son and come to yourself. Oh, yeah. what am I doing in this mess? How did I get this far out? How could a King James Bible believing yeah. Christian preacher like me get so far from home? We used to sing a song when I was a boy, probably in one of these books. Come home, come home, ye that are weary, come home. The Holy Spirit sings that song quite a bit to a wretched old sinner like me. And there's nothing like going down, getting against an altar, whether it's beside your bed or down at the church house or wherever you may be when you hear that voice coming through the, we through the weeds and woods. Drop down on your knees and say, Lord, I like to come home. Lord, I know the wages of sin are going to cost me something, but would you forgive me? And find a fatted calf rather than a box of switches. Boy, there ain't nothing like it. You, I'm a little hesitant every once in a while to shout about it because I think, well, I'm just lucky to be alive. I better not press it too far. But the Lord says, press on. Give me the glory. Go ahead and shout it out. Amen. If you got something to shout about, shout about it. Amen. You're not bragging on yourself, are you? 
Bragging on him, ain't you? If he's forgiven you about a thing or two, shout her out. You say, well, I feel like I've got enough just getting by. You didn't get by. You didn't get by with your sins. You don't get by with sins. You get forgiven of your sin. Amen. You didn't get by. The wages of sin still death. Amen. Amen. You say, well, God still owes you death then. No, he put that on his son. My flesh is going to die. It is. But my sin was put upon his son. Amen. Would you quit living that life of fear? I'm going to give you an altar call tonight. Would you come tonight? Would you get around an altar and say, God, help me to help me to allay some of these fears. Help me to put some of these fears to rest. Help me not live a life that's just, I mean, I'm not talking about the fear of the Lord now. I'm talking about the fears of this life that you carry around so much. You can put those aside. You can fear the Lord, but listen, you can trust the Lord too. Listen, those things out there that you trust, you, I mean, those things out there that you fear, you can't trust them things. Amen? You, you, you fear money issues and work issues, and you fear grief, and you fear sickness, and you fear all those things, but you can't trust those things. You can fear the Lord and trust Him too. The Lord is the only thing on this in this universe that you can fear and trust at the same time. Come put your trust in Him. Come put your trust in Him. Say, Lord, help me not to live this life of fear. Call on Him while it's near. Come home. Come home, old Christian. Come home.